This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The early 90s was an interesting time at the theaters. There were films about surfing, films about movies, and films about adventures in faraway lands. So what would happen if you made a film about ninjas who surf in a faraway land? It may seem like a no-brainer idea, but would it lead to a no-brains movie? Find out as we attempt to prove to you that Surf Ninjas is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A, grades in B, movies. And we have a trifecta of terror today because we have on a few guests as we attempt to, ta- to tackle 1993's Surf Ninjas. I can't believe I actually said that sentence, but here we are. Uh, joining the show once again, as always, Greg from Movie Date Night. Greg, welcome back to the show. How you doing, man? Always a pleasure. Oh, man. Uh, And then joining us for the first time ever, the man who suggested this movie to us, Brendan Brizzy Sullivan from the Twitch stream of Super Smashed Bros. Brendan, welcome to the show for the first time. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm sound as an Irish pound. So, yeah, I'm doing really freaking well. Uh, It's great to be reunited with Greg on a podcast because we were on flops together. again. (laughs) <laughs> no, I do not have cancer again. You said that. You said anytime you say that, you have cancer or something. So, <laughs> no, it was a, it was my metaphor in life when I was battling through cancer. Every time our buddy David would hit me up, I would say I'm sound as an Irish pound. So I always say that whenever I'm saying I'm doing good. So that's what it is. It's not that I have cancer again. Don't worry. If I do, you'll be probably hey, about the death person to know. <laughs> Which Bruce and I used to be on his podcast called Flops. Go check out the backlog for that. Oh man, I, I I can't even remember which episode it was, but we actually referenced Flops and and tried to get people to go listen to it because like we, there were some rules we were talking about or laws we were talking about. It's like no, go 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 listen to Flops. Um, okay, Brendan, you're the one who brought this monstrosity of a film to us. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> what is it about Surf Ninjas that made you want to subject us to? I mean, uh, introduce us to it. Um. <laughs> I just love everything about this movie. Like it's, it's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles meets three ninjas meets surfing. So it's awful, but it's so bad. It's good. It's kind of like uh, super Mario brothers. Like that movie is God awful, but it's so good. You cannot turn away. And by the way, you're not saying the title correctly for this movie. It's actually Surf Ninjas brought to you by Sega. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much Sega in this that also I, I have to let, let's remember right now for the record. If you want to feel old, this film this year is 30 years old. Uh. 
<laughs> Did I? Oh, that hurts me. Oh, I think I just oh. aged everybody on the show. But before we get into going down Surf Ninja's road, it is time to take this 1993 comedy. He says with uh, quotation fingers and trailerize it. You liked him in Red Sonia. You tolerated him in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. Now shake your head harder as Ernie Reyes Jr. attempts to rise up from his Californian upbringing to return to his homeland and become king in Surf Ninjas. Joining him on his adventure is the walking, talking Sega commercial that is Adam and their best friend in high school, a 30-year-old Rob Schneider. Together with their cycloptic companion Zatch, they will attempt to free their homeland from the evil, menacing, Leslie Nielsen. Yes, Leslie Nielsen. It's a wild adventure that will bring you back to a time when people said bra and dude in 1993 Surf Ninjas. Rated PG. Patrick's guardian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was excellent. <laughs> oh, dear God, there's so much to unpack in this one. And yes, I actually did take a look. Rob Schneider was 30 years old playing a high school student when he made this film. You know what else came out this year that Rob Schneider was in? Demolition Man. Yep. Uh, like uh, the three she sells. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So compare those two Schneiders back to back, I dare you. Uh, The thing is, Demolition Man, I stand by the fact that Demolition Man may be one of, it it is, guaranteed, in my top five all-time Sylvester Stallone films. Hell yes, it is. I agree. I agree 100%. And not only is it a Rob Schneider that's 30 years old, but they made him look younger by dyeing his hair red. Yeah, and constantly having a like a bandana over the top of his head to the point I was like, did Brizzy pick this because he thought Rob Schneider was a cancer survivor? Like, what is going on? <laughs> As I'm watching this, I'm like, that's not a do rag. That's a do not rag. Just yeah, put right. it out there. Uh, this film stars Ernie Reyes Jr., Ernie Reyes Sr., Rob Schneider, Leslie Nielsen, Tone Loke, Kelly yeah, Hugh. And the late John Carlin, who is probably best known as playing Harvey Lacey in Cagney and Lacey. This film was directed by Neil Israel. It was the last theatrical release he would ever direct. But funny enough, he actually was not the original person to direct this film. The film was written by Dan Gordon he was actually signed on to direct as well. But according to IMDb, there's a story in there that basically they they were basically introducing the guy who was initially cast as Wendell. Um, and Bob Shea, the head of New Line Cinema, uh, basically said, what the hell is this? This guy is the worst actor possible. He's completely an idiot. <laughs> to which Dan Gordon's response apparently was, did you read the script? Apparently, Bob Shea didn't like that and fired him on the spot. Hence, Neil Israel. Now, the thing is, this film was originally written as an action-adventure film, but then Israel and Rob Schneider and a bunch of others did a rewrite and turned it into what you saw. 
So it wasn't supposed to be a campy comedy film. It was supposed to be like a straight action adventure film. And then we got this. Now, I have to admit, as I'm watching this for the first time, I'm like, what's with the blue camo? Like, did they take that straight from Street Fighter? What the hell is with that blue camo? It works in one scene, maybe, when they're coming out of the ocean, and that's it. Here's the funny thing, though. Those blue camel uniforms were actually the ones that were used in Street Fighter that starred Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes! Yep. No, I, I was going to say, look familiar. I, you know, like, this is just, we stole it from the prop department because our budget ran out and this is what we could get our hands on. Well, it makes sense when you realize that what Ernie, budget? Ernie, <laughs> Ernie Reyes Sr. was actually a stunt coordinator on Street Fighter. So, oh my god, it's oh all my coming god. together. Apparently he was paid in blue camel uniforms. That's that's what it looks like. Now when did Street Fighter come out? Not the next year. So it was the next like, year, I yeah. I know this is in storage. I can go get these if we move fast. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Fans of Ernie Reyes Jr. will probably hear the name Patusan and go, oh, yeah, no, that's that sounds familiar. That's because the character Ernie Lee that he played in Sidekicks and The Last Electric Knight um, was the country that his character Ernie Lee came from. It's a fictional country that seems to be in all of his movies. But it's not the first time that the, the country name of Patusan came to be. It was originally a fictional country in the Joseph Conrad 1900 novel, Lord Jim. So apparently someone's cribbing Joseph Conrad for Ernie Reyes Jr. movies. <laughs> Most oddball connection I never thought I'd come across, but here we are. Uh, this film had a budget of $6.5 million, according to Wikipedia. And according to IMDb, it had a worldwide, well, it was in blue camo uniforms, apparently. <laughs> But the worldwide gross was actually 4.9 million. So money loser. <laughs> Ouch. But not as bad as you may think. And we have covered movies that have made less money. But the reason why we are here, not because Brendan hates us, but because over at Rotten Tomatoes, this film somehow has an audience score of 68%, but a tomatometer of 11 and I have to, <laughs> and I have to ask you, and Brendan, we're going to start with you. Who's got it right, the audience or the critics? Oh, it's one hundred percent the audience. Like this is a movie where you can turn on and just enjoy it. Like I introduced this to my girlfriend, and she was dying laughing because of how ridiculous it is. Like there's there's those movies out there that are just so bad that they come back around and become absolutely amazing. The critics I get, but come on, everybody is a critic. And this movie, it's got something for everybody. It's got the adult humor. You got the guy that looks scary because he's got an eye patch on. You got uh, Leslie Nielsen in it, which brings in the old timers. And then you got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle guy and also John Clyde Van Damme's right-hand man. So... (laughs) It has everything. It's it's hard to deny this movie. And then plus you got the younger kids in Sega. Like I would love, I had that Game Gear. I would have loved it to predict the future for me. That would have been <laughs> awesome. Greg, when you, first of all, when you got introduced to this movie as far as the, what we were going to talk about, and then you see 11% tomatometer, what's your initial reaction? 
That 11% is too damn low. I agree. Like, not everything has to be a Shakespearean masterpiece. Sometimes you just want a dumb, fun movie. And this is what it says on the box. It is surf ninjas. It is ninjas who surf. Why not? Granted, like, they don't surf nearly enough for me in this film. Like, I would love it if they tried to utilize that a little bit more. Especially the moto surfing. They definitely should have been doing that a bit more in the film. Uh, it's when they got to um, Padusan. But I, if you're going to ask me, I feel like 68% is maybe a little high, but not far. Never. I'm, I'm putting this like 60 to 63. I feel like that's a good number for here. It's not by far a perfect movie, but honestly, it's a fun watch, especially if you're like, like how Brendan said, like you're on a date and you're like, let's watch something fun and dumb that we can laugh at and just, eat popcorn and enjoy this will do the trick i i can just that this has to be like the icebreaker because brendan's like yeah i introduced this to my girlfriend kind of thing and she was laughing uh if you introduce this to the wrong girl however they may go running i'm, I'm just putting it out there. there there's a warning there but let's get no to- there is there <laughs> is and I, I knew- it's better this than show it going full like deep and like let me show you this film called the room <laughs> <laughs> Oh hi, Mark. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the thing. She, she, the girl that I introduced this to, uh, my girlfriend. She literally said, "I like bad movies." So I was like, "Okay, perfect." Have you heard of a movie called Surf Ninjas? And she said, "No." And even her best friend was like, "You're Filipino. How have you not seen this movie?" And even a buddy today, when I po- reposted your tweet, said, "Oh my God, this brought Filipinos into the pop culture world." Even though most of Americans thought that they were Chinese, so, <laughs> and he's not wrong. He's not wrong, unfortunately. But yeah, this brought Filipinos onto the big screen that most people did not know about. I did not realize that we were going to be talking about Surf Ninjas as cultural zeitgeist, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) It's that important of a film. (laughs) Let's get to the breakdown of this one. And we're going to start with Ernie Reyes Jr. as Johnny, the prodigal king of Patusan. Brendan, I'm going to go to you first. How was Ernie Reyes Jr. for you? He was great. I actually really did enjoy him. Um, there is one guy that stole this whole movie on, and he is my MVP, but it's not Ernie Reyes. Um, I I always loved watching Ernie Reyes in a lot of the movies, especially like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Secret of the Ooze, uh, Bloodsport, um, a bunch of John claude Van Damme movies. Apparently him and John claude are like best bros because he's in all of his freaking movies. Um but he was great. I thought he was he was entertaining. I loved watching his martial arts. At times, though, it was slow. You say surf ninjas, and him and his father are the only true two ninjas you really see fighting. Everybody else is just flopping everywhere. So he was he was entertaining. Somebody could have possibly been better, but he was also the executive producer on this film too. So. I liked him. I thought he was great. I thought that they could have found somebody better for his dad. But I thought that Ernie Reyes was actually really funny. Timing was pretty good. Martial arts was excellent. Yeah, just just his comedic timing, especially when it was, uh, girls got to bail, you better bail. Like that comedic timing was great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have to point out, though, um, in my research as I was you know, getting prepped for this episode, uh, with Neil Israel as director, 
apparently his focus when he was directing the film was more on getting the the comedy parts down pat and the action fighting scenes he basically let it be a one taker which i'm like you which have showed. you have a film about people who are supposed to be ninjas who can fight and you're one taking these things you have ernie reyes jr who yes i mean i'm going to age myself here by saying i remember watching sidekicks when it was on tv um like he is a phenomenal talent and you're going to one take his fight scenes because he's that good Oh, well, he- I was about to say, look at look at the scene uh, when the ninjas uh, crash the burger hut. His father has to take two kicks to kick down the window. Like the board doesn't break the first time. And instead of reassembling it, they're like, oh, no, that's good enough. Let's just keep it. He literally has to break it down twice. It's almost like, have you ever seen the, um, oh, what's that film? Ed Wood. With Johnny Depp, where they're going over the life of the actual director, Ed Wood. He goes like, hey, um, Torg had trouble getting through the door. Now, see, in real life, Torg would struggle with that every day. We're going to leave that in. So just like here, the dad, he would have had actually needed to do two kicks. So we're going to leave it in because that's realistic, boy. That's extra money for our value. <laughs> but it's like when you get those you know, those wrestling spots where the wrestler has to kind of sit on top of the ropes while the guy is, you know, getting prepared for the for the, right. the leap and catch. Like, yeah, you look like you're really hurting. You're just killing time at this point. Let me stagger into place. Exactly. Yeah. Greg, how is Ernie Reyes Jr. for you? I love Ernie Reyes Jr. I used to rewatch Secret of the Ooze, aka TMNT2. <laughs> Just for him, because he was kind of my in. It's like you have the four turtles plus Kino. It's like I could I could be a Kino if I practiced enough, you know? Plus also, like, let's not forget his minor but fun part in Rush Hour 2 as Zing. Like, I, I love the Rush Hour series, and I always enjoy finding him, especially in smaller bits. But I thought he was great in here. I have zero complaints. And, like... I'm not going to tip my hand early, but he's in the running for my MVP for this film for sure. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Brennan nailed it in the fact that he has really, really good comedic chops. Like, you know, I, I don't think I'm I'm speaking at a turn when I say some of the jokes in this land kind of flat because they feel really shoehorned in. But any time Ernie Reyes Jr. was in on it, it felt natural. It felt Mm-hmm. It felt like a, a good joke at that point. Some of the other stuff just felt like, hey, it's a quip for quip's sake. Um, he really did kind of hold this film together. And that's saying quite a, bu- uh, quite a bit there. But let's now talk about yeah. his young brother, Adam, as played by Nicholas Cowan. Uh, Greg, back to you. How was Nicholas Cowan for you? Here's here's where it's a little bit different for me. Um <laughs> I know that people harp a lot on younger child actors saying, oh, this are annoying, they're pitchy, they're whiny. I don't feel like this actor is that bad. It's just he's not bringing enough like punch with his delivery to make me really, you know, enjoy it. It's fine. It's it's like middle of the road for me. It's not super bad, but like it's kind of bland for me. And as much as like he does have a bit of like witty banter with his brother in the film, like I really once again feel that Ernie Reyes Jr. is the one doing the heavy lifting and he's essentially almost like the straight man so that Ernie Reyes Jr. can deliver the good line afterwards. I I can see that. And, you know, to draw a parallel with Ghostbusters Answer the Call, which I can't believe I'm doing this in this episode, but here we are, you know, you needed someone 
to be the straight person in this. You needed someone to not be Captain Quips all the time. With Ghostbusters Answer the Call, everyone wanted to be the Venkman. Someone has to be the Egon. And I think Nicholas Cowan actually was a fairly decently sincere kid. And, you know, I, I get that his entire plot motivation is hold Sega Game Gear and see the future. But I do like the the chemistry between him and Ernie Reyes Jr. They they felt like brothers. They felt like family. And, you know, that's a that's a tribute to both of them. But Brendan, how was Adam the younger brother for you? I actually agree with like both of what you and Greg are saying. Like there were times where this kid totally missed the mark. Uh my prime example is like near the end of the movie where it shows on his game gear that he's like celebrating that he finally won the game and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you cut to him and he's supposed to do the same like celebration and he just misses. Like it does not hit right. It just looks stupid. But on the other hand, he he hits the mark on the fact that he has that smart ass mouth as a kid will. Like he just says st- stuff that a kid will. The whole psych jokes are f- amazing. Like you have no humor, okay? Like that is something a kid his age would do. So, I mean, he hit it, but he, like like you said, when you got two heavy hitters like Rob Schneider in this movie and Ernie Ray's that are hitting that comedic, joking, whimsical feet, and he's got he the kid has to play the straight edge. He did it pretty good considering what he was only eleven years old, maybe a little bit older than that. Like I thought he did pretty good. Uh, needed some grooming here and there, but other than that, I I enjoyed him at times. At times, I thought he fell short, but I mean, what are you what are you going to do with a kid actor? And I he held his own compared to those two guys. He held his own pretty well, in my opinion. I I have to ask, okay, because one of the big things about Adam's whole, you know, he wants to drive a car. He wants to drive a car. And and I get that, you know. An 11-year-old boy doesn't want to drive a car. Exactly. But then he gets his chance to drive the Jeep in Patrasan after the, the, he instantly masters a stick shift. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a total gamer. I am a gamer. You know that kid's gone to the arcade for like Cruising (laughs) USA and just put on manual because he knows that gets you like a 10% speed boost and then just mastered that with the clutch. I'm a grown ass man. I can't drive a stick shift. How the hell does this kid drive a stick shift (laughs) on day one? I'm just. It's, it's that double clutch like in the game where if you press the gas pedal twice, you get the extra boost Mm -hmm. and your car flips up. (laughs) You get the fire out of the terabyte. Like, I've seen how I used to drive cars in video games. Trust me, if I'm taking my Sega skills to drive in a real car, people are dying because I'm running them over because I don't know how to right. drive because I can't drive a stick shift. Into a tree. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. And then the car burns on fire. Then it wiggles its way back to the center of the road and you keep driving a la Spy Hunter. <sighs> also, shout out to the Sega Game Gear. This is only one of two movies I know that it appears in the other one being airheads you know it's fun. oh my god it's funny you mentioned that though here's the thing um it wasn't supposed to be Sega it was originally that. supposed to be the Nintendo Game Boy to the point of someone came in for their audition with their own Game Boy to audition with it. But the thing oh is, God. apparently, Sega actually helped finance some of this film. So his entire character plot point is product placement. No, I, I actually, I also heard 
The reason it's a Sega is because that was in color. They did some test shots with the Game Boy, and it was the OG Game Boy, like the brick, as we used to call it. Mm-hmm. And that was only like this weird, like black and kind of green screen. And it just wasn't showing. Like you couldn't tell what he was looking at for this little prophetic visions. So, like, this is not working out. They tried the, the Sega, which had a higher fidelity, slightly better graphics, and more importantly, color. And that came across for audiences. I will say, though, the other movie that comes to mind that features a Sega, Chasing Amy where they're playing NHL oh, on their yeah. Sega. Oh my God. I totally forgot about that. Right? Yeah. How often does the whale win, right? You got you got to go with it. Okay. This is oh, your new quick. podcast called Video Game Movies, where we talk about <laughs> video- <laughs> Oh, you, you know one day we're going to go down Warcraft Road, because that's going to oh, happen. I am here for that. Horde all the way, baby. <laughs> okay. it's I'm going to need a Snickers bar. For this one here. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Calm you down, take down, a break. Pushy. You take a break real quick because I gotta admit, you said that this movie was um cost about six hundred or six point five million dollars, correct? Yeah, indeed. Somewhere I did. around there. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I bet you anything, four of that million dollars went into the special effects for the Sega, because that is the best video game special effects in a movie during that era I have ever seen. Like that was so good. (laughs) I mean, it's not like video games haven't been like a plot point and product placement all at the same time. All you have to do is go back and take a look at the wizard. And that was basically a commercial Mm -hmm. for Nintendo. With the glove. Yeah, absolutely. With the glove, which is Leslie Neeson's robotic arm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Right. And we're. Brizzy, Brizzy, the $4 million for this, for this budget went into the uh, plastic mold onto (laughs) Leslie Nielsen's face. And his phone. And his phone. Oh, dear God. That, that brick of a phone. With the we're not there yet. Jason's going to get there. But when we get to Leslie Nielsen, a.k.a. Colonel Chain, we're about to go off. So. Colonel Chi. Colonel Chi. Okay. But we have to talk about Rob Schneider, who plays Fine. Okay. I need oh, to- do not badmouth Rob Schneider, Greg. I, I, do I, not badmouth him. I need to get this out there. The man's 30, playing a yeah. high school. 30. If you have a 30-year-old at a high school, he's either a narc or a perv. I'm, I'm, that's basically it. He's 30. I get, like, at the time, people would joke around about, like, Beverly Hills 90210 about older kids playing high school students. But the man's 30 and looks it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does. But, and, but at the same time, I, I think you can argue... He is 30 in the film because his friends are like, you don't really know how to surf, do you, buddy? No. And he's like okay. kind of dumb. So what if he just got held back a lot? <laughs> so yeah, he's still to trying say, to get his GED. You're absolutely correct on that, Greg. And also, I want to point out this fact. You have a movie called with surf in the title. And you have a kid that grew up in Pacifica. Mind you, Pacifica is one of the biggest surfing spots in California, mm-hmm. right next door to Mavericks. Like Mavericks is the surf USA. And you don't have the dude surf. Like I am almost positive Rob Schneider knows how to surf. He grew up in Pacifica. I'm, I'll put money on that. To quote Zatch in this. Was there any way to shut the prattling monkey up? Because no. because it felt no. like I would if I had a knife, but they're too expensive. Apparently, <laughs> I ain't got no knife. Can't shut him up. Um, 
here's the problem though. He had a hand apparently in rewriting the script. And at times it felt that he was almost hijacking the film. Mm -hmm. This is Ernie Reyes Jr.'s film. There's no question about it. He is the star of this film, the central point. And it really felt a lot like Iggy was kind of not hogging the spotlight, but definitely trying to steal the show. Well, and it's funny you say that because even his character literally tries to make it about him going like, but I'm actually the prince and they're just the decoys, right? Yeah. I mean, I get Rob Schneider for comic relief's sake, but it it felt overkill at this point. Brendan, what your thoughts on, on Rob Schneider on this one? Seems how you were pretty much ready to defend him. Oh, I totally disagree with you guys. I thought that Rob Schneider was the perfect support uh, because you had the straight edge with Adam, the younger brother, and also uh, Ernie Ray Sr. Um, and I thought that Rob Schneider, like you said, he probably was that idiot kid in high school that was kind of like a, um, oh, what's his name? The Lincoln commercial guy. Uh, all right, all right. Oh, God. His oh, name Matthew McConaughey. Me. Yes. So he was the he was the Matthew McConaughey of the high school, but he just never graduated, and he just remained there. I thought his comedic timing was great. I thought the whole premise of it trying to be about him was fantastic because there are guys that are like that that everything around them could be about somebody else, but somehow they make it about them. But all you can do is laugh because the person is a good guy, and like he will always have your back. So. I thought that Rob Schneider was freaking phenomenal. I loved almost all his lines in the movie. Uh, each time he was cracking me up and it felt like he was setting up Ernie Ray's Jr. for a lot of his his comic relief, uh, his dad's comic relief. And I don't know the actor's name, but the black guy in the movie too. Oh, like, I felt Luke. like he was setting him up. Yeah. So I thought he was setting up everybody. Granted, he might have been taking away some of the scenes, but... When you got a purebred in the in the house of a in a horse race, you don't want to keep that thing locked up. You want to let it go. And Ernie Ray's worked perfectly with him. I feel like, especially when they're walking through the jungle and they're making it look like an African safari BBC episode or something like that. So it worked out great. I thought. See, I mean, I think I guess my standpoint on Rob Schneider is this: like, he works in Demolition Man because the comedic support is in small doses and properly placed. But here, it's not necessarily that kind of comedic relief. It's almost like Joe Pesci in Lethal Weapon Three, as he's screaming mm-hmm. at everyone about the drive-through and what they do to you there. Um, but Greg, was it too much though for you, as far as Rob Schneider goes? Yeah, I feel like. I, I do agree with Brizzy in that Rob Schneider is a good choice for this role and he is a, a fun ad. I just feel like, yeah, they, they would have pulled it back a bit. I feel like they either needed to pull it back a bit, focus more on the whole, oh, if I say what if, and then something happens. I thought that was a fun little thing. I don't think it, the whole thing of him going, oh, I'm actually the prince, right? That's annoying. That's him being like kind of egotistical. I think it's funnier if he honestly, his character is, I believe that if I say what if, then something happens, so I'm magic. So that's what I'm bringing to the table. I'm bringing my magic, you know. Or, and I know they couldn't do this for a kid's movie, but considering the fact that he's supposed to be a surfer, and it's a bit of a stereotype, but I kind of thought if this was a PG-13 movie, make him a stoner. 
I think then he's a perfect fit. You're like, oh no, it's actually me, right? Uh, I'm the prince. Okay, cool. You know, all, all he's a stoner like, without saying he's a stoner. <laughs> yeah, just I feel like you needed one of those two. Either amp up the I I think I have magic powers, guys, and I don't know how to control it, but he's an idiot, or make him a stoner, and then and then he's a perfect character for me. Other than that, he's a little annoying, but I still I do enjoy him in here. Yes. With the what if stuff, though, I have to now pontificate and, and hypothesize. Is Rob Schneider trying to become the Watcher in season two of Marvel's What If? Just what do you mean trying to become? He might already he be. Is he is in this movie. He is the Watcher. <laughs> oh. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Moving on. Ernie Reyes Sr. as Zatch, or as he was once referred to as... Winky, the one-eyed black belt. Um, <laughs> so many one-eyed jokes. So many. Uh, 
Okay, Briz, well, how was our cycloptic companion for you? My cycloptic friend. <laughs> well, if you had one eye on me, I would be okay. Actually, if you had two eyes on me, I wouldn't be okay. But since you only had one, I'm okay with him. Like, I thought he was, I thought he, out of everybody in this movie, was the lowest of the totem pole. Like, I, I liked his character. I thought it was absolutely hysterical. They're like, oh, how can we make him look rugged? Let's put an eye patch over him. Yeah, that will do it. And like him being super serious all the time and then making the last crack jokes. Like I thought I thought he was decent, but the the acting skills weren't quite there. Um, ninja fight scenes were actually pretty cool, in my opinion. I felt like he had to slow down a lot of his motions, though. If you watch it, compared to when him and his son fight, like that scene to me like was the whole movie. Like that's the reason why it was called Ninja had ninjas in the title. Cause that fight scene was sick as hell. And, um, but yeah, I think he, him as comedic acting and just as acting as in general was the like lowest part of this film. Not to say that he wasn't bad. It was just like compared to everybody else, he was, he was bottom tier. All right, Greg, how was the Patusani Nick Fury for you? Here's the thing. I, I've had a lot of discussions with my wife, Lauren, who um, she actually went to college and graduate school for like a writing degree. So we've talked about like, you know, different parts of writing. And he kind of fills the role of what we call the messenger, where he's the one who announces, oh, you have a summons from yeah. the king. You know, he's the one who kicks the plot off. Usually you don't keep the messenger around. <laughs> Once he's delivered his message... And like essentially like got you or like the transporter got the characters to where they need to go. They leave. They don't have a purpose in the film anymore or the story. And yet they kept him around. So I think as much as he fills his role well of being the stoic kind of like serious warrior who's like, no, this is real. You have a destiny to fulfill. Once they got to the island, something should have happened to remove him from the party because you don't need him anymore you know, kind of going a bit more topical with the um, recent uh, current D&D um, open game license scandal, kind of, you know, barring from that. He is the DM's character saying like, okay, I want to walk you guys through this. My DM's character will be there to protect you in case you get in trouble. But then once you guys figure out how to play this game, then you've got it on your own. You know, so it's just, I feel like he overstayed his welcome. He should have been gone once they got to the island and maybe back for the final castle fight. But yeah, I didn't enjoy him as much. One thing that that threw me off a little bit here is that at the beginning of the film, he's the narrator. He's kind of introducing us to Johnny, thereby implying that he is like the storyteller. He's, you know, it would be like if if we're watching Star Wars and Obi-Wan is telling us about Luke in voiceover before we actually get to meet (laughs) Obi-Wan. Um the thing is, this film was supposed to be a straight action adventure film. And I think in that format, Ernie Reyes Sr. would kill it. Absolutely mm-hmm. kill it. But it became like a, a quip fest. It became a 1993 Rob Schneider vehicle comedy. You know, not to rip on Schneider again, but I mean, Ernie Reyes Sr. would have been perfect in probably the original script. And I would have loved to have seen what the original script looked like. I bet Same. you anything, yeah, Zatch would probably fit that much better. I, again, like, he fits the role. 
he does have some decent quips in there and more often than not he's just basically complaining about rob schneider of which i kind of concur but he's he's great at the action scenes he's great with ernie reyes jr obviously um i just think the script wasn't what he signed up for and that kind of hurts the character despite the character being fairly good John Carlin, who played Mac, the boy's surrogate father. Greg, back over to you. How was Mac? I know it's a, it's a limited role, but how was he for you? Say, I have no opinion on this character because he's barely in the film. He's like there for one scene. He gets kidnapped or whatever, and then he's gone for the entire thing. He's the he's the your princesses is another castle character. So like he's fine, you know. I I don't have any other. Um, thing to talk about for him. So instead I'm going to use this time on my floor to talk about how they talk about the, um, <laughs> so, uh, Ernie Hudson or Ernie Reyes, uh, Ernie Hudson, Ernie Reyes, uh, senior, his character talks about like, Oh, the most priceless thing in the world that has no value, the Patusan knives or whatever. <laughs> and then they have this whole great riff about the knives and like, Oh, if I had a knife, you know, they get to the cave and am I wrong, but there's no knives. It's swords. It's swords. It's not it's, sword. it's not it's... knives. It's swords. <laughs> I just love the fact that you actually start calling him Ernie Hudson. Not a knife. <laughs> That's like saying that a cow's a dog you can drink from. Like it's not. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> Okay. This was what our buddy David had to deal with constantly. You're just lucky, Jason, that me and Greg are not teaming up against you right now. <laughs> well, that's because Greg agreed with me with Rob Schneider. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Brandon, well, well, here's the thing, though. Uh, even if Greg did, my wife would probably side with Greg anyway. So I completely get oh, that. I've heard. Yeah. I've heard a couple episodes. I would love you guys, all three of you I together. Miss you, this Carrie. is really funny. <laughs> yeah, Car- Carrie was smart and fell asleep during Surf Ninjas, so <laughs> don't blame her on that one. <laughs> She's like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> okay. I, I got to say one thing. I got to say one thing about the character we're talking about, by the way. There's a scene. I'm, I'm looking through the photos that I'm going to be of this movie, right? And there's a scene near the end where um, the son and, quote, father, you know, his adopted father, are reunited. And at this point, the son has gone full warrior mode. He's got, like, no shirt on bandana over his head ready to kick ass and he's like ripped you know like the guy who played Kino, he is ripped meanwhile his dad is there in like a tank top with the biggest beer guns like at what point is your son working out and you're like maybe i should do a push-up i don't know <laughs> you know you think his son working out would have motivated him to try nope look at every every high school football player i in guess the South. that's true <laughs> <laughs> okay brendan how was mac for you I kind of agree with Greg. Like he didn't have the big enough part to make any kind of impression. Like the parts that he was in, I thought were pretty funny. Like when he yells at Rob Schneider for always making food and then like takes all the food away from him and then yells at him for wearing his boxer shorts. I thought that was pretty funny. But other than that, like he didn't really have much, much else to give. I loved him in the fight scene because it was just like a fat man fighting but like it could have been better, but it wasn't bad by any sense of the means. I, I will say like the connection between him and Ernie Reyes Jr. and Nicholas Cowan, that actually made a good 
you know, reason for them to go to Padusan because Johnny doesn't want to be king. He doesn't really remember, you know, Padusan. So it's not a big deal for him. But the minute they have Mac, it makes sense. Uh, and then there's Kelly Hugh, who played Rome, the woman who was supposed to marry him. For the record, by the way, for the record, she's supposed to be marrying this high school Johnny kind of guy. Uh, she, Kelly Hugh is 25 when this film is being made. Ernie Reyes Jr. is 21. Yet both are yeah, I'm still younger than Rob Schneider. But how was, <laughs> Brendan, how was Kelly Hugh for you? I liked her. I actually really liked her. Like, the transition of her character in such a period, short period of time, I thought was really cool. I think that was also when I realized in my life and in my pubescent years when I watched this movie, like, I want a woman that could be sexy as she is and also kick ass like she can and be like dominant and be like, Hey, like, this is what I want to do. You're either going to be cool with it or you're not. And so I thought it was, I thought I liked her character. I liked the way that she performed it. I love the scene where she says the, uh, you don't even know what she says. And she goes, you'll find out on your wedding day. Like if my girlfriend said that to me, the guys into the bushes to beat him up. Yeah. Yeah, like if my girlfriend says that to me, I'm like, all right, here's the ring right now. Like- sticking around to find out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg, how was Romay for you? I, I liked it. I just go to echo everything that Brizzy just said. Yeah, I thought she was a fun character. I, she does have a good arc where she suddenly goes like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to like conform to like my cultures and society's like demands. I mean, maybe, maybe I want to do my own thing. So she's a fun, prototypical, strong female character like that. Um I also just kind of like the fact that she closes the Ninja Turtles loop because she also voices Karai uh, in the Ninja Turtles TV series. So oh, that's nice. pretty fun. Um, also, I just found out now looking up her uh, Wikipedia, she, in the same year this movie came out, won Miss Hawaii USA. So like, Damn. yeah, she's she's a beautiful lady. And I remember being a young boy watching this film, like having feelings about her, you know, because yeah, she's really pretty. <laughs> I'm going to pontificate an idea with you guys <clears throat> because I agree that Romay is actually a very good character. Kelly Hugh played it, played her perfectly, but they needed to expand on her character a bit more. Fo- I agree. Fo- yeah. Follow my train of thought here, okay? Johnny does not want to be the king of Patusan. He's there to rescue his his surrogate father, basically. Romay doesn't want to basically conform to what Patusani culture dictates that she should be in in marrying this person, like or basically being promised to that. So if they had turned it around, so when Johnny, by the way, uh, if you haven't figured it out by now, listeners, spoilers like a mofo. But <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of late for that now. But you know, here we are. Um, so when Johnny basically says the 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 Patusani hierarchy is is obliterated and be free kind of thing, I think it would have been better if Johnny stepped down to go live the life that he enjoyed, and Rome became the queen of Patusan because that mm. would that would then expand on her. Uh, basically going against traditional Patusani culture and, you know, basically creating a, a better life for, for women of Patusan. Like, I get I get it's a, you know, fictional country, but I think it would have been a cool turn, especially in 1993. I love that you're a Patusani suffragette. That's great. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? All for Patusan. All for Patusan. Okay. 
the voice that stands out all by itself. Tone Loke has yeah, Lieutenant buddy. Spence. Greg, to you, how was Tone Loke for you? By the way, I have to point out, Tone Loke, also younger than Rob Schneider. <laughs> no. Yep. That cannot be true. Oh, yes, he is. What? How? Okay, how, look, look it up. I need to know this what, before 29? I it's, it's not a big difference. It's only like a couple of years, but yes, Tone Loke, younger than Rob Schneider. Oh, my God. That's insane. Sorry. Just, uh, um, anyways, sorry. You just frazzled my brain with that knowledge. Uh, <laughs> you broke me. Uh, so Tone Loke, I always love him. I don't know what it is. He's not the best actor in the world, granted, but anytime he's stood, he is in something, especially from my childhood, I take notice. And I can give yep. you two examples off the top of my head that I'm sure all your listeners can appreciate of Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. He's the one that Ace Ventura <laughs> does the butt talking to. And he is also in Fern Gully. He is the rapping uh, monitor lizard who almost eats the the guy who gets turned into a fairy. Um, Tone Loke just, he resonates with me and I don't know what it is, but I like him. And Honestly, yeah, his best part in the entire movie for this movie is where they talk about the knives, and he just has the one quip, like, can anyone sh- silence this chatty monkey? I would if I had a knife. <laughs> so, I can't, I mean, I he, can't he, hear he, knives and not think the golden child going, I, 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 I want exactly, the knives. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yes. But just, I don't know, I don't know why, but for me, he just slots in so perfectly into this movie. I can't describe it to you, but it's almost like when you just have a puzzle piece and you're like, I don't know, I've been looking for this piece forever. And you just grab a random piece and you slap it down and it fits. And you're like, I feel so great. That's that's it. That's that's That was the piece. And I'm so happy we found it. I will say he he definitely fits the comedic tone of this. I, I think mm. if you were to put a more serious actor like an Ernie Hudson, because Ernie Hudson can, apparently can only play cops um, and Ghostbusters, but it's just one of those things where if you put someone like an Ernie Hudson into that role, it takes away from the comedy aspect, which is what the movie eventually became. I think Tone Loke definitely fits that that more fun vibe. But Brendan, how was Tone Loke for you? I wish we had more of him in this mm-hmm. film. Like he, like everything that Greg said was like spot on. Like he, and what you said, Jason, he just fitted perfectly. And I kind of wish like he had more. A uh, perfect example of how well he fitted was the whole, like coming out of the, um, out of the boat door and saying like, how'd you get your handcuffs off? I swallowed a key. How did you know that you were going to need it? Because I swallowed it every Tuesday. Oh, like, that's the, right. Yeah. Like the way that he says it makes it sound like what you don't like any other guy that like an Ernie uh, Hudson that would play it. He would play that straight and wouldn't have that like what you guys don't. You should because you never know when you're going to need it. Like it, everything about him, just the sarcasticness, the the voice, the the sympathy, the empathy that he has for these kids, even when like he knows he screwed up saying that your dad just bailed on you. Like he, he looks at them after Ernie says like, my dad wouldn't bail on us. He's like, yeah, you know, right. He, he got the facial expression to go well with this movie also as well. It's come to that part of the show. Where you disagree, where you disagree with me and Greg and we jump all over your back. No, no. (laughs) 
It's time to talk about Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, but yes. <laughs> uh, first of all, who had pictures of Leslie Nielsen that got him into this movie? Uh, right. Just need to put it out there. Also, as far as writing goes, Chi uh, is energy. Just putting it out there. And we have basically a cyborg version of Leslie Nielsen. But Brendan, Leslie Nielsen as Colonel Chi for you. How was he? Leslie Nielsen can do no wrong in any movie he is in, and I'm even including the superhero movie in this statement. I thought, like, he went overboard in this movie, and it fitted this movie. You, he probably showed up to set, and they're like, this is what you're going to wear, and he said, got it, I'm going to do the crap out of this movie, and I'm going to eat every ounce of every scene and he does <laughs> he just goes overboard so hard a white man the whitest man in show business and you have him dressing up as a warrior samurai that mm-hmm. turns into a robot by the way greg you know this guy um the guy with the glasses uh on youtube that does all the nostalgia critic yeah he did this movie And he points out the fact that when uh, Colonel Chi gets uh, uh, stampeded on by the elephant, he actually falls into the elephant instead of falling away from the elephant. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, just everything that Leslie Nelson did in this movie, I thought was absolutely hysterical. He went totally overboard and it fitted the whole answering machine. The answering the machine. It's a villain with voicemail. I love that. He oh doesn't have his own people to get his own messages. It's just, this is Colonel Chi. Leave a message or I'll kill you. you know? And that's, that's the thing. We're all old enough where we actually remember having to run to the phone. And God forbid if you were sitting on the toilet and the phone was ringing. Yep. Like you had to run to go get that stuff. Most kids won't understand that. Like you had... Oh, God, I just remember everybody, my mom and dad just yelling at me, get the phone! Get the phone! <laughs> uh, with with the, the the portable phones that had an antenna like it was a fencing sword. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Greg, how was the Patusani Phantom for you? I, yeah, he was the wild card of this film. Like, even as a kid, I was like, why is he a robot? I don't understand this. Like, he, does that feel like it's necessary? Like, I get the whole, like, oh, he short circuits at the end fight thing. But, like, I feel that Ernie Reyes Jr. was good enough to beat him without having to short circuit him, you know? Um, he, he's just a random comedic bit. And once again, it feels like, what's the biggest name we can get for this? Um, well, Leslie Nielsen's in between Naked Gun movies at the time. Okay, get him. <laughs> it kind of felt like, okay, get him kind of thing. Um The one thing I do want to point out that I think is really fascinating is that all the promotional stuff for this film does not have him as a cyborg. If you look at all of the posters for the film, he has no cybernetic enhancements because throughout the film, his entire half of his face is almost like Phantom of the Opera style covered with like this black, like kind of like um, plastic or like polyurethane like face covering to show like oh i'm part machine but like none of the actual photos for the film promoting it show that it's just leslie nielsen in like his outfit so i don't know at what point if that's like a last minute like 
notes or like writing or they did reshoots for that but it's just fascinating to like have that kind of archaeological detail of like something changed last minute for that decision to be made i i will say based on the the whole you know cyborg type face mask phantom of the opera type thing that you mentioned it's hard to actually identify Leslie Nielsen as Leslie Nielsen at, at a first quick glance. So I can see why they wouldn't do that in the marketing materials, but I'm so glad you brought up the short circuiting thing here. And I get that it's a plot point for Ernie Reyes Jr. to, to win the day kind of thing. If his robotic parts are so susceptible to the water that he is, he's, he gets mad at people for like splashing. Like, why does he have so much water in his underground torture pit? <laughs> yes. This seems like Why a design flaw. Take over a coastal nation. That, 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 that's like, I can't swim, and yet I'm going to live by the ocean. No. Or I can't surf, and I'm going to be in a film called Surf Ninjas, Rob Schneider. Um, yeah. It's just, the thing with Leslie Nielsen is, he is an absolute comedic genius. He absolutely is. You know, naked gun, airplane, like basically anything you put him in, he's funny as hell. I wish they gave him more. Yeah. I wish they had tossed some of the some of the time that was spent, uh, although the knife jokes were funny, uh, but some, some of the, the lesser hitting jokes, I wish they had spent some more of that time in getting us to to appreciate Leslie Nielsen's colonelship. Because here's the thing, he's on so little that when Ernie Reyes Jr. finally wins, I'm like, okay, fine. I'm not, yay, movie's over. I wish, yeah. I wish they had made Colonel Chi funnier and more prevalent in the film so that when Ernie Reyes, so when Johnny does win, it means something. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. He's really like the bookend of the film. He's in the very beginning and then he's at the very end and he's barely in the middle. Like, like Percy said, there's that one moment with the elephant, but that's it. Yeah. I have to ask, because we've talked about how this film changed tonality from the moment it was written to the moment it was finished. So Greg, going to start with you. Would you have preferred this as a straight action adventure film or do you think it's better as the comedy that it ended up being? I think it's better as the comedy it ended up being because like how you said with your kind of trailerizer thing or at the beginning, this is in an era where like we have movies like Three Ninjas, you know, where like ninjas were big and, you know, also you need stuff for kids films. So I think this kind of hits its perfect little niche. I, uh, We've talked about a few changes I would have made, but for the most part, I wouldn't change much. Briz, how about you? Uh, in all honesty, I would actually be really intrigued to see what this movie would have been if it was just a pure action movie. But then again, like Greg said, like this at the time that this movie was being made, this was all the rage. Like they had, you had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles not only as the movie but the cartoon. Then you had like Street Sharks, Motor Mice from Mars. I mean, everybody was on that train of like ninja stuff. Uh, groups coming together like three or four guys coming together like it fit perfectly and they always wanted that comedic justice to it so it worked great i love this movie like anytime i'm feeling down i will turn on this movie so it's very hard for me to say but i'm just really curious because i'm always wondering what what it would be like i'm kind of curious what this movie would have been like if it was that straight action movie because i think it would still have been pretty good i mean the storyline's there just the guts of it was taken out. Mm-hmm. 
I do have to point out as well because you got Greg, you know, I'm a musician, you know, performing musician. So I had to take a look at the soundtrack because, of course, you have Tone Loke in the film. And ba, yes. ba, 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 I remember there's a couple zombies in here that are Specifically, when they get to the island, there's like some track that plays, and I'm like, what is this that I'm listening to? Okay, so Tone Loke is on the soundtrack. That makes sense. Total sense. Marky Mark is on the soundtrack. It's 1993. That kind of makes sense. Bad Company is on the soundtrack. No. Bad that can't be true. Bad Company is on the soundtrack. King Missile is on the soundtrack. King Missile, the band that wrote the song Detachable Penis, is on the soundtrack. <laughs> this seems like the most... I, I schizophrenic soundtrack I think I've ever seen. Like Tone Look well, makes sense. Marky Mark makes sense. Bad company? Well, the other one, the detachable penis, I bet you Leslie Newson wish he had it that when he was jerking himself off and making vinegar strokes. Oh. Yeah, he does that in the fight, by the way. He literally like grabs his own penis and like goes, whoa, like when he's short circuiting with his hand, and it's like, what what? derailment did we just have in this movie <laughs> the what is happening oh man oh man okay even the character that ernie reyes jr plays in the moment is like wait what's happening <laughs> i okay okay <laughs> I, I can't I, sometimes the conversation goes in a direction where you're just like I can't believe we just had that conversation but yes and we did we the good job Bracey we can leave now <laughs> yes we did again. okay it has come time so Brendan you brought this movie to us so we're going to start with you who is your MVP of 1993's Surf Ninjas y'all gonna hate me but it's Rob Snyder I freaking loved him in this movie. It was the first time being introduced to him because after that, my mom told him that told me that he was a Pacifica kid, which is where I basically grew up. And then I started seeing him in more and more movies like Home Alone 2 and uh, all those Adam Sandler movies. So like, Rob Snyder was it for me just because every almost every word he said, I was starting to laugh at. And it reminded me like when he turned to Uncle Iggy, it reminded me of John Legozamos. Like in the past, like it's just so freaking funny and I loved him in it. And yeah, it was, it was him by far to me. Cause I, I was actually going to ask you guys, why is it not Rob Schneider? And you guys gave me the answers, but I still think you're wrong. <laughs> All right, Greg, who's your MVP of surf ninjas? Okay. This is going to be weird, but stick with me on this. We just talked about Leslie Nielsen you wanking it with weird. his robot hand. So how much more weird can it get? For me, it's the robot hand is the MVP of this film for Greg. <laughs> no, no, no. For me, the MVP isn't even technically in the movie. It's the poster for this movie. Yes. Now, there's a very specific poster, though, I want to reference. The main poster for this film, and let me describe it for audiences who don't see it right now, like you're driving, but like go get on IMDb and look at the posters. So the main one is the three people, the three boys, kind of like, well, two boys and a man, right? Right, because if Rob Schneider's there, riding on a surfboard, holding weapons, smiling while Leslie Nielsen is like crashing the waves below. They do have the whole like New Line Cinema production, blah, blah, blah. But it's like in an ocean blue against the ocean. You can barely read it. But if you keep scrolling, you will see 
a far superior poster. It is a French poster, mind you, because I do speak French and I can read these here. Um, and this poster, it's a bit more of a um, kind of like a vibrant color tone, but it is Surf Ninjas. It's just General Chi and Ernie Reyes Jr. And General Chi is choking Ernie Reyes Jr. as he rides backwards on the surfboard. And he's got his hand out like, ah, and it's just Surf Ninjas. That's a cool poster. That to me is the MVP because that's kind of like what you want from this film. So uh, my MVP, as much as I do like Rob Schneider, Tone Loke, and everyone else in this film, that poster is just so cool. Like <laughs> now that I have my own little office, I might frame it and put it in here. That's how good of a poster I like this. That is a very scary, terrifying poster. I'm staring at it right now. and <laughs> But that gets you excited. Like, oh, how does he get out of this? You know? This, oh, dear God. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to put this out on Twitter when we put this show up. But yes, by all means, you can find the poster on IMDb and it is something to behold. Um, but I'm going to disagree with both of you for my MVP. I'm going to give my MVP to Ernie Reyes Jr. A, he's not Rob Schneider. But B, <laughs> this film doesn't work at all if Ernie Reyes Jr. isn't as good as he is. He's yeah, funny. He is, you know, a martial arts expert. He, you know, the, despite the fact that the director didn't even put a lot of, em, you know, emphasis into the fight scenes, he still made those fight scenes work. He has great chemistry with everyone on camera. Ernie Reyes Jr. made this film watchable. And say say what Good you point. will, I, I I will agree. It's not an eleven percent film. It is exactly what you want it to be. I don't. I I wouldn't say it's a sixty three percenter, but it's definitely not an eleven percent. It definitely is not that bad, guys. Thank you so much for making me go down this road, Brendan. We're gonna start with you. Tell us a little bit about uh, Super Smash Bros. Yeah, so me and my buddy Tommy, a good college friend of mine, uh, we lived together for three years, and uh, he likes drinking beers as much as I do, maybe even more, and so we decided to start doing a drinking podcast where we take four beers that he gets shipped in from different parts of the United States, and we taste test them, and then rank them out of 100 and tell you what we think of them. We do everything from sours, stouts, IPAs, everything in between. And there are some really good ones and some really, really awful ones. Um, And then we even tell you about the can art, what we think about the can art, because that's how I usually base it off of, and what kind of foods we think would go really well with it. Um, And we also get uh, my girlfriend to come in every now and then, even though she's off screen, she's our super producer. And it's kind of funny what what faces she makes because she doesn't like beer all that much, but she drinks it because she's freaking awesome. So yeah, that's pretty much it. It's on uh, Twitch uh, at Brizzy59 every Friday, uh, just about, give or take, uh, at around 5 p.m. Okay. Specific I, time. Bef- Greg, before we get to you, Brendan, I have to ask, what has been the best and the worst beer that you have tried? Um, the best, there's two best. And there was one that, uh, my buddy Tommy had me try before we even started the show. It kind of what is kind of what started it off for us. There was a beer that is no longer available. It was called the peanut butter, banana creamin, and it was a milkshake ale. And I kid you not, it tasted like a peanut butter and banana milkshake. It was to die for. 
the other one that was really good and it fits perfectly with what we're talking about in this movie it is actually called uh don't call me shirley <laughs> and, and unfortunately like i was a little disappointed in the can art because they did not have leslie nelson or anything from airplane they actually had just had a shirley temple on the can art so i was a little saddened by that but i swear to god it was a sour beer and i don't drink sour beers and that thing tasted just like a freaking shirley temple it was scary good um as for the most awful i can't remember the name but i remember i ranked it lower than a 20 out of 100 on it and I, oh, that's what it was. I even told Greg about this on Flops. It was a double raspberry cheesecake uh, sour beer. Oh, yeah. It was awful. Absolutely awful. I, I was going to, when you said the, the beer that would have worked well for this, the first time I'm like, maybe Bromosa, which is actually out of a, a Michigan brewery, as I recall. But, um, that, that sounds like a ton of fun. And as someone who really appreciates beer, that's going to be great. Uh, Greg, you, you, once again, I'm going to get you to tell us all about Movie Date Night and all the other podcasts that you're on. Yeah, first of all, yeah, I want to reiterate Brizzy's thing. Um, Super Smash Bros, fun listen. Go check it out every Friday on Twitch at Brizzy59. Um, you know, I'm going to start up my own rival podcast now called um, Smash Super Bros, where I just get drunk and play Mario. <laughs> You know, because why not? It's going to be available nowhere because I'm not actually going to do it. Um, but yeah, Lauren and I, we have our podcast, Movie Date Night, where we share movies with each other. Um, we're in a hiatus right now because we had a baby and that takes up some time. But he's getting more independent. He's sitting up. He's maybe learning to crawl soon. So once we get more time to ourselves and the schedule fit out more, we're going to come back. We already have one in the can where we did all the Batman films. We just haven't released it yet. But yeah. Um, we will be coming back and that's at movie date night on Facebook and Twitter. All right, guys, thank you so much for this. Greg, you're basically like family. So you're always welcome. Brendan, open invitation. Anytime you got, you want to come back, just drop a movie. Tell and- Carrie, thank you for that mint to my pillow, by the way, that was really nice of her. <laughs> that was not a mint chocolate. She might have pooped a little. Oh, you got rats. <laughs> guys, thank it you. It was mousetrap. It was. It was. Uh, guys, thank you so much for this. And to you, our listeners, you guys know the drill. Uh, if you think there's a movie out there that is unfairly maligned or you think it's so bad that there is no way in hell that we can find anything good to say about it, uh, even if it has Rob Schneider, hit us up on Twitter at NotThatBadCast or on Facebook at at facebook.com slash notthatbadcast or at our brand spanking new website at www.notthatbadcast.com. Let us know and we will watch it. We will dissect it and we will find the good things to say because we are looking for those A grades in B movies. That's Greg. That's Brendan. I'm Jay. You're awesome. This is It's Not That Bad. Until next time, everyone, take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.